Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now on to the show. Hi, y'all. This is Sasha here for two quick announcements before we get on to our interview for today. First of all, if you are looking for quality supplements, quality tonic herbs, some specialty food items, and you're in and around Calgary, then please go check out Lotus Herbal Health, a great family-run store that has two locations in Calgary. You can find them at lotusherbalhealth.ca to find out where their locations are, or you can shop online and they will pretty much deliver anywhere. So quality supplements, tonic herbs, great staff, check out lotusherbalhealth.ca. Secondly, I want to announce the relaunch of my program called Your Conscious Pregnancy and Parenting Guide, which consists of experts in their fields around the world on consciousness and parenting and education and nutrition and dentistry and homeopathy and more. This is a program I created after my son was born about 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. And I am now very concerned after the events of 2020 for our future generations. And I believe the time is now for conscious parenting and for conscious parents to rise up and take, to take back our pregnancies and our births and our parenting and the resilience of our children and of future generations. The time is now. We change the course of history by changing the course of our future generations. And we do that by consciously raising them, consciously birthing them, consciously conceiving them, feeding them good food, and taking back the responsibility of raising healthy, well-adjusted, robust people. Resilience. It's time to build resilience. So please go check out sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide, and you will be able to check out all of the amazing material in there. It's time for us to understand how our worldviews are formed, how our self-views are formed, and how to impact that and how that impacts the society on a whole. So check it out, sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide. And now on to the show. Okay, everyone. And we are back for part two of my interview with Naomi Aldort, Parenting Guide Extraordinaire. If you haven't heard part one, stop this. Go back to the last interview that I did with Naomi, where we get into the state of schools, what schools really are, what are alternatives around that. And now we're going to continue into some more aspects of self-directed learning and what that can do for your child and how that can raise a totally different child than I think the average adult of today as they involve into their adulthood. So thank you again, Naomi, for continuing on with me. Uh, we are going to get into, and if you don't know about Naomi, I did introduce in the last one, but you can find her at NaomiAldort.com, AuthenticParent.com. She's a great uh, author, speaker. You can find lots of interviews and lots of, of um, info on her website and just generally by looking her up online. So we're going to continue on on the topic of self-directed learning. And what I want to know is 
what are the end results? Like, what are the key differences that you see with somebody going through the traditional school system, the regular public school system, and somebody who's spent a life of truly self-directed learning? Well, the obvious is they're independent people. <laughs> they mm -hmm. actually think for themselves. They're usually very enthusiastic. So you don't see the typical, you know, like you go to a high school and you say hi to someone you know is 16 years old and they're like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of deflated, like life was going to happen. All this passion and excitement that we see in the toddler. And then the school is like, oh, and I have to go through all this stuff. I'm not saying everybody. I mean, it depends on the homes and on the character and everything. But there is a lot of the transition from high school to real life can be quite difficult. Uh, and there are generally more followers. And the, so the result for the independent learner, self-directed learning, is that he is an enthusiastic human being, independent, think for themselves. Uh, he's optimized his own brain. So he's also excited about himself because he's usually successful because he's doing what he loves to do. So his development uh, is through living. He's learning by living, he's creative. Uh, he creates structure if he needs to and not if he doesn't. He's inventive, he or she, cooperative and, and communal because he's used to real social life, healthy one, with variety of people. Notice, you know, if you're with adults doing an event, assisting in a seminar, assisting in a hospice, what you're learning is cooperation between equal people. Uh, so they're socially competent with all ages. They're not afraid of adults. They're very responsible because they've been responsible for themselves all their life <laughs> and participated with others and were responsible while assisting, while volunteering, while playing with others as they grow older, doing projects they're interested in and being responsible for the result of. They're powerful. They're generating mm. their lives. They're not following and they're not looking for somebody to do it to them. Like who would give me the good life or who would do this to me or who would, uh, you know, other than if they're looking for a teacher to learn a specific right. subject. They're confident. And I would say one of the most beautiful things I learned from a, um, a client that came here, I do family intensives families come here. I just had a family from England, for example, uh -huh. uh, here uh, for a few days with hands-on learning so I can see the dynamics of the family and I can help right away. It's, a, it's my best program. It's fantastic. Wow. Anyway, I remember one of those. I do few of those per year, not, not a whole lot. It's very difficult for me. It's a lot of work. Uh, anyway, this woman looked, the first time she looked at my son, who was a teenager there, and she said to me, I've never seen such an authentic teenager. So that's the other thing. Oh. They're really authentic. They're being themselves. They're creative, inventive. They know to find solutions to things without asking. You know, you look today on Facebook, what young people are asking each other on different groups. And you go like, what? You know, it's like, what do I do? I have this or I feel this or like, they can't even find their own solutions to the littlest thing. Which curtain should I put in my house? They ask. Stuff like, yeah, they give you a picture. It's like, what do you think? This, you know, it's like, 
all these choices, but also a lot about health. They're not self-directed. They don't search online. You know, I don't have right. a doctor. I raised my children without have, having a doctor for them. They were born at home. And if there was a health problem, I studied it. Exactly. And I, and I changed the diet or found some herbs or, or just did nothing and waited and nurtured the child and gave them rest, whatever was needed. Yeah. So knowing how to learn, knowing how to invent, knowing the selves, you know, it's like, what are we independent at? at? Um, so you, they be the best of themselves and their tolerance because they have real respect for others, not because they were told to be respectful or had politically correct instructions, but because they're yeah. truly, truly respectful for them. There never was an idea that somebody with a different color or culture or, or dress or religion or, or sexuality should be treated differently. It doesn't occur to them. No. You know, why, why teach them, you know, yeah. why make this stuff go for longer by teaching it, you know, it's like, let's cross the barrier and be. So anyway, that was a, a political side here, but they're respectful of others. They're not trying to change anybody or shape anyone else. That's a huge one because they didn't learn to be shaped. They're here, not because they're this unique person who got the best grades in school, but because they're here to contribute to others. Because what that's what they immerse themselves in. What do parents do at home? Contribute to their children. And then they go in the community to the hospice or the concert or whatever, or volunteer in something. What can we contribute? What can we do? They're often joyful and very resilient and independent. I've done recently a beautiful interview uh, it should be on my website soon, or it was a, a talk in a workshop in the uh, AERO, the Organization for Alternative Education, uh, about what we should teach, however we teach it, is emotional resilience. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so I would say these kids have learned emotional resilience. Of course, this is not guaranteed just because you homeschool if they're in democratic schools, I see fantastic results very consistently. Uh, with homeschoolers, it really depends on the family. Yeah, you know, we are all messed up somewhat. Um, but at least if you're growing up free, you have the freedom to deal with your mess up, to be yes. candid with yourself. Oh, I have some emotional issues. I think I have some anxiety. Uh, I need some help with that, you know, and be real about that and not be afraid of adults and then they're not afraid of of psychologists or anything <laughs> right well so, and all these traits you're talking about are traits that we have i think we're seeing a famine of in cult in our culture as a whole absolutely. like these are not common traits yeah i i think everybody is like a, a triggered triggering machine waiting to happen waiting to mm -hmm. be triggered everything is so sensitive there's no emotional resilience no god forbid that i offend somebody with this interview even i mean i'm sure there's gonna be people that are offended but i am no. i i really am i've always said i cannot stop putting the truth out in fear of offending you like that that's not my if, it's not my problem if you're offended that's i choose to be offended or not and yeah. So does everybody else, but in this world of- No one can offend me. Exactly, exactly. I only give them that power, right? Yes. 
exactly but but it's more than that and you know it reminds me we should do an interview about emotional resilience and and about the being triggered things because i work with parents personally to make mm -hmm. them and their children free of being triggered okay it's like no trigger no pain people can say anything to me and the way I teach it, it's not just to give a hint, a little advertisement for a future interview. Okay. It's not about thinking that they're wrong. I'm not that. That's not power. Power is they're right. I am. Because I'm a human being. And if there's a word for it in the dictionary, I have it. Ah. Ah. Okay. And I can find an example. So somebody tells me you are X, Y, Z. Say, thank you. And if I can, you know, yeah, I can see that. Mm. You know, yesterday I did this and that. Yeah, I can see that. Like I have in, in a story that's on few videos and interviews, so I don't want to go at length at it, but uh, these two children calling each other stupid in the car in a family intensive when family comes here. And the moment, you know, it was going to be a fight. The mother was rolling her eye. Here we go again. They're going to end up hitting each other and whatever. And I was saying right away, me too. I'm stupid too. And I gave them an example. And the whole thing turned into a laughter therapy because they were all coming up with the stupidest stories about <laughs> themselves that they could tell. It's like find the truth in it and it doesn't even hurt. Right. So the, the thing that we're learning currently, culturally, about being triggered is as if it's a good thing to be sensitive. But that's not right. sensitive. Being no. sensitive is being sensitive to the other person being aware of the other person, mm -hmm. being, being sensitive by being hurt when somebody tells me something about me that isn't true according to me, that's not being sensitive. That's being, uh, you know, like full of, of ego and, and defense. And defense is the first act of war as Byron Katie said so well. Mm -hmm. you, know, you start defending, mm -hmm. you're starting a fight. I know when I do that. And it's always the same thing. It's always like, uh oh, I defended instead of saying, oh, no, I'm not. So parents say to a child, oh, don't worry that they called you stupid. Are you? You're not. That doesn't help them. That builds the trigger to be even more triggerable rather than sensitive. I call it triggerable. That makes mm. it even worse. So anyway, that's just a little window. To yeah, 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 absolutely. About. Emotional resilience. That's a really important one. Like yes. that's the thing. We raise our kids with all these ridiculous things that we tell them that we need to learn. But when it comes to the dynamics of successfully, you know, going through life, we're totally incompetent because we don't yeah, know. We don't know how to feed ourselves. We don't know how to deal with our emotional stuff. We don't have to deal with our trauma. We stuff everything. We, we like, it's all about just suppression right. and you know, grades in the outer world, not the inner world. And so love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay. So back to the life of a self-directed student, what kind of, what would the day look like? Is there a flow to that day or does there need to be a flow? Like what somebody who's thinking, okay, I'm going to take my kid out of school. What are my days going to look like? Well, it, it, whatever happens, whatever happens happens that's that's what's so beautiful about it is like there's no two days that are the same mm -hmm. so you don't have to be a future teller um you know each day is unique and children who need structure will create structure and children who don't need structure will not 
But if to take my family as an example, like we got up in the morning, some, you know, there were periods that the children were busy together doing some projects and they bolted out of bed to go continue whatever they were doing that they didn't want to go to sleep because they didn't want to interrupt the day before outside or inside or writing a play or inventing their own money or building something, whatever it was. So sometimes children get up and just go for it and you don't even see them. I sit here, give some, you know, sessions to people and I wonder, you know, it's so quiet outside (laughs) because they're just absorbed. And then there are times that each one does something different and that one of them needs me or, or that we have a plan to go out somewhere or that I may suggest, you know, it's a beautiful day. Would you like to go to the beach or to the park or um boating what do you you know or they would say mom how about we do this or that so i would say the best word for what to do with your day is flow get up in the morning the things that are by nature routine are things like hunger and sleep and dark and light we don't have to create routine a lot of people think they have to create routine we don't have to do that the routine is by nature and what's not by nature we're not in charge of so it's fine just let it flow let it flow let it flow exactly and I see that because I know a big part of Waldorf is the rhythm like even when you do laundry and when you do this but that doesn't work in my family and my son doesn't and doesn't require that at all yeah so some kids need that and create that and some kids don't Right. And, you know, and, and also at different times of life, same kid yes. has no structure at all. Or like my kid who did for hours and hours, the same thing every day, um, right. you know, it's like that may change into something that has more routine. Um, and if they need routine and need that we organize something, you know, if they're free, they'll tell me or I will, or they behave in a way that, you know, do you need some kind of, I would ask them. Like I asked my youngest kid once, do you need me to support you to practice your cello? And, and he said, yes, a little bit. If it, the evening comes and I didn't practice yet, please remind me. Mm-hmm. So he gave me specific instructions in terms of that. So yeah, there were different times that kids ask for something specific like that, but we don't have to decide and impose it we just can flow with the natural rhythm of the light, the dark, the seasons, the hunger. Yes. You know, the needing to clean up now, you know, whatever it is without imposing. So it's again, just flow with it and be a team, not a boss, a team mm-hmm. member. That's the big difference. I love that. I love that. It's yeah. Be the team, not the boss. Okay. Well, the last, there's a couple of things. Like, well, one of the big things that I want to talk about is I think one of the biggest barriers to homeschooling, unschooling is the parent is their preconceived ideas of what education is. Yeah. What does the parent need to go through and how do you have any recommendations for them to maybe unlearn these things that are so ingrained that will remove that trust? Yes. Recommend for them. 
the first thing is to realize it's not their fault, you know, so I treat parents with the same kindness and respect. Uh, so what gets them, that gets them into this fear and anxiety about whether they can do homeschooling, if technically it's available to them, uh, is indoctrination that they went to school or they had parents who told them what to do. So they need to recover themselves to let go of that fear of their own training. No question about that. So one of the first needs they have to let go of and saying it now, they're not gonna let go of it. I work with people and I give them a technique that they can do then on their own to let go of needing to impress others. That's one of That's the a big greatest, one. greatest pitfalls. So the need to impress others through your child, like, oh, my child is going with pajamas to the playground. If they want to go with pajamas to the playground, let them go to pajamas. Oh, but it makes me look bad. What will the people think? It's like, this is between your kid and others. And it's one of the places when I say to parents, let the kids interact with the other adults. Let them get their own impression. I used to have our, our firstborn, when we went to restaurants, he was never interested in eating. He was this little politician. He goes from table to table, introduces himself and talks to them. He started <laughs> at two, at age two. <gasps> by age three, he knew some books of dinosaurs uh, memorized, like, you know, fourth grade level, you know, a couple of paragraphs about each dinosaur. And he would go from table to table and tell him the whole story about the dinosaur. And we would know when he gets to Brachiosaurus because his little hand would go up like this. Yeah. <laughs> if you can see. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Brachiosaurus with the little neck. Uh, and, you know, so people would ask me, well, why don't you interrupt? What if he disturbs other people? Other people, adults, they can take care of themselves. They can talk directly to my son. And some of them did. They say, Rock, we have a romantic evening. Please go somewhere else. Some of them were delighted for a while and then wanted to have whatever their family meeting and would tell him off or tell him to go. He was never insulted. There was no triggers there. <laughs> he would just go to another table. And when he's done, he would come back to us and share with us what he spoke and what people said or whatever. Uh, so it, it's... The no need to impress also means we, you know, that they tell you to get out of the swimming pool. Your child doesn't want to get out. You know, ask the guards to tell them. Why are you protecting the child from the other adult telling them? I had a parent who told me my child meanders between the people in the line to the movie theater. I'm afraid it disturbs them. So, so you become the in between the child and the parent instead of letting the child encounter those adults who will tell him, hey, stop meandering between us. We don't like it. Let him encounter that social skill. You know, it you is. Have, you don't have to prevent the little, what you think is an insult. The child doesn't even take it to an insult as an insult unless you teach them it's an insult. Like they're doing something and somebody tells them, you know, this is disturbing me. Okay, so don't do it. Skip them and go between the people who smile and think you're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> but this would set somebody up for really good communication skills and really good ability to receive feedback. If you just, right from the beginning, we're always getting in between them, right? We're doing it for them, we're saying it for them, right. rather than allowing that direct interaction. It's like, 
It's exactly. like putting the priest between you and God or putting, you know, right. It's, it's like, exactly. let them have a direct experience. Exactly. As long as it's safe. I'm not saying let them have a great experience right. with a kidnapper. Right. right. We're, we're not right. sending them on the train to some uh, work camp. Right. I've, you know, in safe situations, let them experience it. Don't jump in and protect. And usually you're protecting the adults. True. Which is True. really funny. It's True. like you're protected to adults, but it's because you want to look good. You think parents are expecting. People tell me, well, the other people are expecting me to stop my child from disturbing. Totally. Me. It's a bad expectation. So you're a pioneer. You don't do that anymore. So if they come to you and say, I tell parents, so if they come to you and say, hey, your child is disturbing, I say, hey, feel free to tell him. Totally. Oh, I love that. that. I'm pretty sure that's a pretty uncommon way. Yes. Yes. And, and, I, and I, can, I can say that I'm, I've been definitely very uh, uh, guilty of doing that myself, for sure. Yes. You think you need to tell your parent, your kid, let them. I like but it. let me say more about the general, the question you asked is so important okay. about the the parents, um, you know, gaining the courage back and gaining themselves back because they went through the same indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, I don't mean to be an advertisement here, but the best thing they can do is to sign up for sessions with me. I agree. Because me saying this, you have to be free of that, that you can't become free just by yourself. You have to work on yourself for a while with an external help of somebody that can see and detect and help you see where you fall off. Yeah. And give you some tools to question your own thinking and bring yourself back to that authentic place where you're not seeking approval of other parents or of anybody. And you can really respect your child to go through as long as it's safe whatever relationship with other people whatever issues that that he's going to encounter mm-hmm. yeah I, I and even when you're in it and you think you can trust you will find yourself even knowing what i know i do find that like oh he doesn't know this or oh he doesn't know that and then i talk to you i remind myself about you know, some certain things that I really believed before I got to that stage. And then when I get to that stage, I start second guessing again. And so it's, it's definitely. Yes. It's, I know from experience of counseling parents by a zoom or Skype for, for 30 years now. And I just know that it's not easy, but once it clicks, it's like learning to ride the bike. Then you just really staying present. Uh, mm. You don't lose it anymore and you don't fall into having to impress. But the seeking approval disease is not just about your children. It's everything. I mean, you seek approval when you're without the children, you know, at, at the party or a gathering or a class or a job uh, or with your husband or family members, extended family. You know, we want to impress relatives and the children are learning that from us yeah. unfortunately yes. so don't don't uh, don't impress relatives i have some uh videos on my website about what to do about relatives with mocks you know like the uh we do mocks actually there is a new product that um coming up and there is one 
of a workshop I gave in Bratislava. We shrunk oh, it yeah. for hours and it's online now. That's, that's where all my family is, most of them, my extended family. They're all in Bratislava. That's that's my homeland yeah. from my uh, dad's side. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, our family came from like Germany, Czech Republic area, spoke German. Um, but anyway, I gave a one-day workshop in Bratislava and it's now available on my website. You can find it under workshops or under or and under videos. Um, it's for purchase, it's not free, but it's a four hours, I think six videos full length um, uh, each of, I think it's six videos and I think it's four and a half maybe, I don't know exactly. Okay. Anyway, it's, it's worth every penny, it's very good. And some, uh, somebody is working on my three days workshop is oh, wow. the product nice. as well soon. And in the Prague one, in Prague, I did the three days workshop and we did some mocks uh, where the participant plays their mother-in-law or whoever is the relative that is really barging onto their life, criticizing them and getting in their way. And I represented them how, and demonstrated how to keep the connection and yet not do what they say without insulting them. Right. That could be really powerful because so many people make the decisions of how they're a lot of key ways of how they're going to raise their children based on what their mother thinks, based on their in-laws, based on, but what would they think if I did this? You know, it, it's, 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 yeah, but, but I think most of the parents who are asking me this question are on the other side of things. They're doing it totally different. They're not asking their parents. So their parents are criticizing them. Don't sleep with your children. Why are you homeschooling? Yes. So they're so against yeah. them. So it ruins the relationship. And what I teach them is how to not be triggered by it or afraid that you right. obey right. the way you obeyed as a child. Um, and that you can totally accept the, the parents with love and validate them. And yeah. I demonstrate that. And I teach it in private sessions, but also... A cheaper way of getting through to it is through those through these workshops right uh, that and that's pretty powerful as well too in a day of such divisiveness right it'll be probably great a great tool for a lot of things right now because yes. we're so divided right now everybody oh, you're right i wasn't even thinking of that yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, just all the time you know when people you know speak to me yes and they have a totally different view. I, I totally honor them and validate their feelings and understand them and able to listen to them yes. and see their point of view yeah. without feeling that I have to defend mine. You know, right. the moment you defend, that's when the war starts. Ah, that's that's you know, that's key. Them. I think a lot of us it's all about yeah. seeking approval. You know, yes. yeah, showing that you know I'm good. My idea is right. You should listen to me. And it's like, Right. I, I, I have that. I have a weakness there because I grew up in that same way. And it took me years to loosen it up and to be able to take criticism. It's very easy now, except for with my family. With my family, I still have sometimes hard time, but I'm also better with them, with my right. son. Right. And getting their criticism with grace. But mm -hmm. not always. Powerful uh, place to be in. Yeah, place. I think, you know, seeking approval is, is one thing that I really help parents heal themselves from. And then they have less anxiety in general, and they can get closer 
to their relatives, to their kids, to in all directions. Uh, so when it comes to homeschooling, yeah, when you let go of needing to impress anybody as a parent about what your child is achieving or doing as a homeschooler or as a schooler, whatever it is, uh, that gives the child the freedom to be. And they will be so much better for that. Oh, so so cool. Otherwise, they know they're a tool for you impressing others. And, and that's a huge burden. That Absolutely know, it is. And that's why we get so much anxiety and depression today. Uh, you know, so professors in colleges are saying that kids have never been more anxious. Yeah. Oh, and I see it in the, in the health world, doing nutrition and consulting with people. I see it. I was just at a, an event with, I was talking to a naturopath. She's so busy. What is she busy with right now? Anxiety and depression. Yeah. Crazy packed with it. Like she's never seen before. And yeah. it's just, it's everywhere. People coming in, looking for products around that stuff. So, yeah. So thinking about the current situation, I wanted to have some closing comments around just what do you see future impact on our future generations if we don't decide to take the education and, and take that back as parents. Like I've always encouraged people, take back your parenting, take back your parenting, your schooling, your, your medicine, your nourishing, all that stuff. Like what is your message to the parents of today knowing the state of the world, July, 2021, <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy world. So what, what are your final, final thoughts and message to parents of today? Uh, Sasha, you're starting a whole new interview. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, in a nutshell, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, you Stick know. to the topic of, of child-led learning and schooling uh, and education. Yeah, because nobody wants 1984 <laughs> fantasy and right. we're, we're touching on it. It's, it's too close. It's uh, definitely, we need to stare at our feet. So raising self-directed children will create adults who are not going to be sheep. And that's, to me, extremely crucial because we're on the brink of seeing sheep land uh, yeah. doing all kinds of harmful things to themselves and to society for, for the sake of profit. Um, and we have censorship. So that's, that's, really, that's really appalling and scary. Um, mm -hmm. So I think self-directed people are a lot more likely. There's no promise. It uh, depends what they do as adults as well. Mm -hmm. But um, they're a lot more likely to not follow and to be committed to keep the freedom and to keep their autonomy uh, and stay who they are because they're not trained to go in all these other directions that are expected of them and not to believe everything being told. Again, the school teaches to believe that mm -hmm. this is how it is. Um, so when they um, are free as they grow up uh, and if they have parents who know to investigate with them. So even if you read a biology book, you can say to a kid, you know, it's just a book written by some professor or a few. Um, we can read another book and find some other way that the same history or the same biology is presented. And that's really, really valuable. And that's one good thing about computers today is you don't have to have all the uh, giant library and heavy books at home. You can actually see videos or read articles or get a few books and, and get the idea of, okay, there is this opinion, even science, you know, like right now what we see 
is people are believing and they say, I believe the science. And I always say, we yeah. try. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which that one, word. you know, a part of the nature of science is that it's not unified or it wouldn't be science. Science is not a classroom where everybody obeys. Science is finding truth. And different scientists today, there are many of them. It's not like one time there was one famous one. Now we have millions of scientists each doing their own research, many of them finding just as valid truth that is as worthy as someone else's. So which science are you believing? Exactly. I don't believe in believing. Right. The word belief means like blindly accepting something. I don't believe anything. You know, to teach, you know, children who grow on their own with the right modeling and opportunities. Um, why would they believe one way and not the other? And how would they know what to believe? They'll start exploring all the sides of everything. I love exploring what my opposition is, is saying. So if somebody tells me, actually, I think school is the best thing that happened to kids. I mean, I've gone through that, so I right. don't need it anymore. But but at the beginning, it's like, tell me, I want to hear it. I want to read the book. I want to, you know, consider all the possibilities of what's good. And for some kids, it is better than home. So right, right. in extreme cases, so there yes. are benefits. And it's not all, depending on what the family does, it's not all just bad. So, yeah, you know, it's like we need to stay constantly open to everything and I believe nothing. Believe is not a place from which I operate. And unfortunately, and fortunately, uh, kids who grow up free uh, have more of that quality, the ability to not believe whatever, like in terms of COVID now, uh, my son talks to me, the one who went and got himself COVID on purpose mm -hmm. because he wanted real immunity. And he wanted to be done with it because he, he didn't believe we have something so dangerous that we need to do things, but he could see where the government is going. He said, look, I'm going to, now he says he's going to get Delta too. He wants, <laughs> wants to. Yeah, all these variants going on. Yes. Yeah, right. But at that, that remaining open is so huge. And that inquiry, I mean, science is inquiry and questioning and posing questions and and never stopping and never believing that we've, we've actually arrived, right? It doesn't ever stop. It will be a hundred years before we know what happened today. Oh, absolutely. And I even- And I'm not I sure it's ever been known. <laughs> well, absolutely. And it depends on who wrote the history, right? And, and, and just, just even concepts that I never really thought about in this last year, I, I've been always like, like the whole idea of germ theory, the whole idea of just history, the way it's presented. There's so many things where now I'm like, wow, okay, there's another rabbit hole I need to go down to. There's so many because- I'm studying, I have quite a few books that explain why the germ theory is such a bad path to go on. Not there are, that there aren't germs, but it's the terrain that- Absolutely. Whether a germ does anything in your body, has any cleanup to do that gets you sick to-, to detox or not but that's right. you know Another. i don't know if you want this, and this no we already we have that's okay i already actually even did that and but again but exact again that's that remaining open i think that's a sign of intelligence yeah. to be honest the, the main thing because i i don't want to hold on to any one opinion 
as an absolute. At the end of the day, the smartest thing I can do is not know. And because really it'll take a hundred years to see, you know, maybe you and I are wrong. I don't know, you know, I'm open. I'm open to learning. But when it comes to freedom for the child, the most important thing as a final word, okay. uh, I think can mm -hmm. be a final word, is to stay rooted in themselves. Then they will think in yes. themselves and they're not in danger of believing anything because they will measure it. What am I feeling or knowing about this? I'll explore this, I'll explore this. When somebody tells me, you know, this medicine is safe, I say, oh, okay, I'll explore it. You know, I'll see what mm. I can. I'll see what, what's best for my body. I'm not gonna tell the other person what to do. They can take whatever medicine or study whatever they want or do whatever experience they want to do. But if they tell me I should do that, say, well, I'll, I'll explore and see. And I think that when you raise them free, they stay connected to themselves because they haven't been um, you know, seduced out of themselves into right. having please and get good grades and do the whole trip. Uh, then they stay rooted in themselves the same as the two years old. It's beautiful the two years old insist. Me, 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 I want this. I want yeah. them to stay this way. <laughs> I don't want them to become all of a sudden, okay, I'll do whatever you want, never mind me. That's right, right. I'm not saying to, this is not about being egocentered. This is not about me, me, me. It's the opposite. A person who is free to be themselves are a lot more likely to contribute to society, to be right. a contribution, to look at how can I help here? Because they're complete with themselves. They're not about themselves. Maybe what am I getting? Am I doing good? Am I approved? Did I get the good grade? Did they like me? All this anxiety of seeking approval is ego. It, and it's the opposite of emotional freedom. And it's the opposite of being able to contribute because you're too absorbed in yourself and making right. yourself into the right, successful, make money, make the degrees, the academic thing and all that. And meanwhile, you know, you see adults committing suicide who are rich and famous and who are yes. having all the education and all the kudos and all the yes. good stuff. And then I see the happiest people just doing what they want and it doesn't matter. Yes, uh, because they're rooted in themselves. So that's why I want to say to parents, the most important thing is to keep your child rooted in themselves. And that starts in babyhood. They mm -hmm. want to sleep with you. It doesn't make them dependent on you. It makes them independent because it makes them know my thinking is right. My mother is respecting it. She knows I need to sleep with her. Yes. Until whatever age they need it. There's nothing wrong with sleeping together with your kids. At any not age. at all. No, you know, there's no time limit. You know, people always think by age two or three, they should be moving to their own bed. Oh, God, two or three. To? No way. Listen to them. <laughs> Listen to them. Do they want to? Why do you doubt everything that comes out of the child's preference? Maybe their program is right. Maybe God didn't goof. Maybe nature didn't goof. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the thing that is so um, painful in society when we're so dependent on approval and trying to fit yeah. in. And we really don't need that. No, we don't. So rooted that's... in themselves. Rooted in themselves. Is the child doing something that's driven from inside 
or are they impressing and following? Mm, love it. What a great message to end with. Powerful, powerful, powerful. If every child was raised that way, what a different world we would live in. So thank you, Naomi. It's always an excellent conversation with you, full of wisdom, full of so much insight that I don't think is uh, obvious to the average person, but I so appreciate it. So thank you for your time. I really, well, really appreciate you. you. Thank I you. Okay.